The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottling, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Welcome to this episode of Unbottleneck, an experimental marketing podcast and vlog. I'm your host, Steve Wiedemann, and today with us is Rand Fishkin, founder of SparkToro, author of Lost and Founder, and most recognizably, the founder and former CEO of Moz, former, formerly SEO Moz. Uh, wait, why do you always get the, the longer intro? I feel like, hi, I'm, I'm nobody, and with me today is, deep breath, and <laughs> go. <laughs> it's amazing, and something I'm sure you're, you're super proud of. I mean, and, if you want, yeah. in the future, Steve, when you introduce me, you can be like, here's some guy with a beard. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I love it. Um, and it's such an honor to finally connect off email. I know we've we've had a few emails over the years, and you, you've always been so supportive of all the folks that you know have, have been a part of Moz. And I remember one time I said, "Hey, the guys here would love to get some Moz T-shirts." And you just like you loaded us up, and and we were all just like, you know, Rand is the man. And we were so uh, so grateful for that. You know, and I, I think the first time we met was actually in right around 2009. Uh, I think we we're at SMX Advanced and. I think I was chugging down a can of link juice. Do you remember uh, oh, oh, the yeah. link juice thing? Oh my God. <laughs> so going back to the days, right? So long time ago. I am Rand Fishkin. I'm the, the co-founder and CEO of a company called SparkToro, which is uh, just launched in April. April, aka the worst time to launch a software marketing business in uh, <laughs> 90 years, probably. Um, but uh, SparkToro is um, a tiny little startup. It's just me and my co-founder, Casey Henry. Uh, we work together at, at my previous company, Moz. Um, and Casey and I are building a tool for audience research uh, and intelligence. And it is, it's surprisingly, Steve, it's going pretty okay. Um, so that we, we can talk about that. Uh, in addition to that, I, I used to host a video series with Moz called Whiteboard Friday that I started there. Um, I was the longtime CEO and founder of Moz, of course. And I do a lot of uh, speaking, blogging on all sorts of topics, but a lot of stuff around, um, I would say I am a relatively vocal critic of a lot of things, big tech. Um, and as as I think many many more people are becoming, uh, and I am also a an outspoken uh, person on topics around politics and ethics, um, and 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 marketing. I have a lot of uh, strong strong opinions. I hope they are loosely held. I am happy to be uh, disabused of my notions via data and um, experience. Uh, and I also wrote a book uh, that was published just after um, I left Moz called called Lost and Founder. That's amazing. You know, I I, I do some teaching at, at some of the local colleges, and I always remind those students who are interested in getting into a career in SEO that you've you've got to be a little bit of uh, a schizophrenic, right? You've you've got to be that that analytical person who can look at data and numbers. You've got to be, you know, that. Um, uh, that technical person who's who's comfortable getting into code and looking at some things. You've got to be 
uh, a little bit experience with understanding uh, buyer behavior and psychology. You've also got to be a little bit charismatic, you know, and for an introvert to also be an extrovert, it's really tough to do. And, you know, and as, as an SEO, those are some traits that really sort of take this big inbound marketing percentage of people who are into it down to like the top 2% of people who can be both or, you know, all of those different disciplines. But then you, on top of all of that, you, you have to do a lot of the, the business stuff too. I remember going through a lot of uh, funding and, and trying to manage and run a business. So how do you, how do you add that on top of all the different things that's, that are the responsibilities of somebody in the SEO world? Yeah. I mean, I, you don't sleep, obviously. No. <laughs> I, I, so to be fair, I actually um, am pretty good uh, about work-life balance. And and I would say Casey and I kind of designed SparkToro to be that way. Because my Ma's experience, you're right, was very um, overwhelming in terms of time commitment and sort of yeah. sucking away most of my, well, all of my thirties, almost all of my twenties. Um, and I, I really did not want to do that again, right. To have that, um, intense lack of life balance. Uh, so yeah, SparkToro is, is very different in that respect, but I, I like the business side of things, or at least I like structuring it in ways that work well. And I think that if you, um, obviously I have a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunity on this front, but, um, you know, if you outsource the things that you're not great at and focus on the things you are good at, you can generally do pretty well, right? So we have right. some good lawyers, we have some good accounting folks and, and tax folks. And that that means that we, you know, Casey and I really get to focus on just doing um, what you enjoy. Yeah. And what we're good at, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, well, great. I didn't get to talk about me, but I don't have as much nearly at all to say. So those people that are kind of new to our podcast, um, I'm Steve Wiedemann, webmaster turned marketer. Uh, I'm probably best known in my peer group as uh, one of the guys who worked for Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Online. I ran the uh, paid search and some organic for Disneyland Adventures by Disney. I did a lot of ebook and affiliate marketing type things back in the old Mike Villasane days. Remember that, Rand? Uh, back when affiliate was kind of crazy. I spent two years in agency and promised myself I'd never do that again. <laughs> that was not a fun experience. Um, and I started freelance consulting around 2010. Uh, now um, running a, a small, amazing team here in La Mirada. And I'm also teaching at UC San Diego and Cal State Fullerton, uh, which is kind of like, it's been my dream. And it's in the same way, I think that, that you really enjoy the business side of things where I run from it or, or put my head in the sand. Um, I run toward teaching, so I really enjoy that. And I always wondered because you were so amazing at those whiteboard Fridays. Um, have you ever considered going into teaching or, or doing anything in, in the, the teaching world? I mean, my hope is that what I do with, you know, with videos and with uh, blogging and writing and, and events and podcasts and right. uh, webinars and all that kind of stuff is teaching. It is. I, I think it's less, um, less formal and structured, which works well for me. I, you know, I have some, um, I guess sort of an anti-authoritarian bent mm -hmm. around me, right? So I, I I appreciate and understand universities and credentialing, but I sure. also find a great deal of value and a lot of reward in helping folks who don't necessarily mm -hmm. uh, have the funds or the access to take advantage of those. And I, I love what the internet does for um, making learning possible for many more folks. 
Right. Yeah. My, my daughter is an, an artist. She loves painting and drawing and she's kind of the same way. She's like, I, I want to do this one day, but I don't want to do it in a, a structured environment where I'm required to do certain things and, and limits my, my creativity around what I'm allowed to do. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, no, yeah. uh, no MFA at one of the big programs for her. <laughs> so our, our topics today, are, of course, we've already been talking about it, being an entrepreneur in the internet marketing world, uh, stories and maybe some accolades and, um, just talking shop, SEO, SEM, and influencer marketing. Um, first, in the entrepreneur side of things, you had some some news happen recently. And did you want to talk a little bit about some of the the transition of what happened? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, this is um, you know relatively insider baseball, but for folks who don't know, I you know I had started Moz. Um, and and SEO Moz, right? right? The, the company that became Moz with my mom, Jillian. Uh, I was the CEO for a long time and then stepped down from that role. I stayed at the company and I remained the chairman of the board, uh, the board of directors, right? So a venture-backed company will have a board of directors that includes you know, investors and insiders, usually the CEO. Well, sorry, always the CEO, often some insiders as well, often an independent board member too. Um, and in, uh, in May, I proposed to... Uh, the board of directors at Moz that that I step down from the role that we find someone for the independent seat that we find someone for my seat um, and as of that Saturday uh, I signed the paperwork docu signed the paperwork to make that official so I am no longer on Moz's board of directors um, and taking my my seat is. Uh, Asia Arangio, who's the, the founder of Demand Maven, um, great sort of SaaS consultancy, software as a service consultancy. Um, I think she's based in Atlanta. Very, very super smart, right? Has seen tons and tons of SaaS companies. So I'm hoping that she can help Moz kind of uh, uh, transform its growth path. And then um, filling the independent seat is Tara Reed, who's the CEO and founder of Apps Without Code. And um, yeah, both those folks are extraordinary have done amazing things and I I think that they will be much um, appreciated mm -hmm. by the Moz board you know Moz I'm has sure. been I don't know Steve if you recall right but Moz was sort of like it was the leading SEO software for a long time right market leader by by a mile for many many years um, mm -hmm. and then sort of in the last five six years really yeah. It has been uh, overtaken significantly by two competitors, uh, SEMrush and Ahrefs. Mm -hmm. And I think, a, you know, a lot of that is Moz sort of taking its eye off the SEO ball. Um, and, and that was a decision that, that I foolishly made at the end of my CEO tenure there. I didn't know uh, that. And then some of it is, I think, Moz not being able to step up its product and engineering culture. You know, it's always been a great company when it comes to marketing and content and teaching people, great community, um, really good participant in its ecosystem, both you know, locally and, um, and around the world. I think it made some smart acquisitions with uh, Stad Analytics, for example, Rob Bucci's company um, up in Vancouver. But yeah, it's been, it's been kind of a rocky, not a, you know, it's not... Um, on the downswing, but it's it's very much plateaued the last few years. And right. if you're a venture back company, that does not work well with the model, right? You got to imagine. Yeah, you got to grow very quickly in order to satisfy your shareholders. You know, I, I remember writing a post on um, 
on grassroots SEO on the uh, the community blog, right? And I was like, I, I put my heart and soul into it. And I remember it getting promoted. I think he promoted it's like the Moz blog. And I felt I felt like an appreciated member of of the community. I felt like you were the hub of the community at the time. And I had I had so much loyalty toward that because I felt like I was part of something. And then something changed at one point and there was a email going out, hey, we're we're changing some things and you know, we're not really going to focus as much on community on the community side. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of shifted the dynamic of it. The, the passion kind of died a little bit. And maybe that's what you're referring to some, you know, five years ago when, when a lot of those changes started happening. It, it, it really disconnected a lot of us that, that felt like, you know, that was that was our family, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think Moz had a very um, kind of deep community feel very close knit community feel for a long time. And, um, certainly the, I think the, uh, decision, like I said, to go broader than SEO, this was, this was around 2013, right. um, was yeah, a big part of that, like, um, struggle. And, and to be honest, Steve, right. Like the, I wrote about this in the blog post announcing this change, but in, in retrospect, I believe, I don't, I'm not sure I was ever able to convince Moz's leadership that this is what happened, but I believe that what happened was we were feeling the effects of competition, right? Sort of, yeah. you know, at the time, everybody from like Majestic to Systrix to Raven Adrefs, and yeah, Dr. And Brian, yeah, <laughs> yeah all, all these other competitors coming into the field right. and Moz foolishly at the at the leadership and board level inferred that what was happening was that we were tapping out the market, right? That mm -hmm. essentially the SEO market wasn't growing as fast, that we were getting to market saturation. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the decision was made, oh, let's uh, expand into content and social media marketing and uh, um, email and PR and all these other disciplines. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll try to build products for that and take our eye kind of off the SEO ball and, and the focus off of SEO as a community and the exclusive market that we're serving. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we, uh, when we did that, of course, I, I think that gave all those competitors just a ton more opening, right? Because Moz mm -hmm. was no longer um, as difficult a competitor to uh to, to sort of beat out. And so, yes, MRush and Ahrefs in particular took advantage of that um, and, you know, recognized that this was a, a huge and growing market. I don't think SEO has ever been bigger than it is today. You know, right? it's, and it's still growing. There's still such a, an, an affinity and interest and um, more now thanks to pandemic than ever. I know the off-premises mm -hmm. challenges that our restaurant chains have, um, you know, is, is only solved by search. You know, those folks looking for um, keywords such as you know, restaurants with outdoor seating and, you know, restaurants that are still open and, you know, and then addressing some of those search terms, you know, both on and off the website, yeah. it's, it's more critical than ever, I think. You know, I remember one of the things that, that I was excited about was I used to follow David Mims' top local ranking factors and then Moz brought him in and then everything kind of moved over to Moz and I was really excited to see where that would go. And I, I never really found out if, if there was a correlation to to him joining and the growing of Moz Local or not. But um, what can you tell us a little background on on what happened with the kind of the the local SEO segment of what Moz was doing? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I mean, I was always um, 
you know, good friends with David, thought the world of him um, and yeah, wanted to work with him. Right. So who wouldn't. Yeah. 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 He's just um, terrifically talented guy. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we so, yeah, when when Moz raised its round, big round of investment in 2012, one of the you know, one of the pitches to investors that I had was essentially like, hey, one of the unexplored and um, high opportunity fields for us to get into is is local SEO. That's something that we've really never helped with in a, in a very direct way. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I, I don't know if you recall, but like local SEO was very much about kind of citation matching and management and sort of inter-platform dependencies. And a lot of Google's rankings relied on that. Today, much less so, if, if yeah. any. But at the time, you know, that was hugely important. And so David had this product that he had built with a with a developer called Get Listed. Okay. I remember and basically that. Okay. Get David, okay. Sorry? Was it getlisted.org? Is that what the was? I think that's right. Yeah. 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 So I went to David and was like, hey man, what do you think about joining the Moz team, uh, working with a couple of engineers here, building out, you know, your sort of dream product suite for local, you'll be in charge of that division. You'll be the, the head of product for it. Um, and David liked the idea. So we, uh, we ended up completing that transaction, I think either, yeah, maybe late 2012, early 2013. Sounds fair, yeah. um, and then that, you know, that product launched, it did have, it had a, a very rapid growth path. So it, you know, it grew very quickly to five or $6 million in revenue. Um, over the course of just a few years, maybe three years, four years, but um, there were two big challenges around it. One was it had sort of been um, built, I think, um, by some folks in the leadership team. I won't get into the particulars, but there were some internal politics around how it was built. I, David and I were both very passionate about the self-service side of it. Like mm -hmm. you should be able to get your restaurant on board and anybody... Yeah get theirs. And there was, you know, a particular part of Moz, uh, Moz's leadership that were much more passionate about, like, let's go to Wells Fargo Bank and get 5,000 bank locations, yeah. you know, into Moz Local. I, I, I remember getting pitched when we were doing some platform uh, uh, analysis for one of our restaurant chains and Moz fell into, I'm like, I didn't know Moz had enterprise, you know, and it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, look, I don't think Moz ever got great at it. I think, um, I think they've mostly dropped enterprise now, although, you know, there's there, even a year ago, there was still like, how do we get enterprise working, get enterprise working, enterprise working. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that was just like who had been hired into the leadership team and mm -hmm. their experiences, the, there was sort of this anti self-service bias um, sure. from that. And yeah, David got very frustrated. I got very frustrated. He of course left uh, a couple of years before I did. Wow. I, I know if you if you were going to do something with local, you, you can't just have the one piece of it, right? The the data management, of course, it's so important. Like you said, less important now than than yeah. some other signals. But uh, but you'd have to you'd have to address and help the marketer not just look at at data management, but um, you know elements of their local landing page now, inbound links to the local landing page specifically. Some citations, I would say, the ones that would I'd, I'd focus on, if if anything, would be. You know those that are that are really kind of true local, like actual, you know, your city.gov slash business directory or your industry.com slash, you know, whatever. Um, uh, and then reviews and ratings and being able to manage 
all of those things, you know, with a, a dashboard, could take a lot of work. And and um, I can imagine, you know, what a struggle that was just kind of getting into it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my um, my sense is that the uh, product team initially with David's leadership did a phen phenomenal job, and then it became more challenging over time for them to kind of keep up and turn the corner. And there was just, you know, a lot of the focus was, in my opinion, in the wrong place, which is on enterprise sales instead sure. of how do we make the product great and make people desperate to want to buy this and make it the best product in the field. Right. In many ways, I think Moz was in local, even, you know, a few years ago, the best product in its field, but oh, we, we recommended it like, like crazy to all the local businesses that came to us. Look, we yeah. can't afford a big consulting retainer, but we're a local business. What do we do? Yeah. Moz local. Yeah. It was so it was so inexpensive, right. Compared to like Yex, that was, I can't, I can't remember what the pricing difference was, like but Moz 400 was like, bucks or something. Yeah. It was yeah, and Moz like a hundred or something. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember that. It was just much, much cheaper, um, which worked well for a lot of local businesses. I love David's passion around that too, right? Like yeah. he, he was so insistent that the price be incredibly low because he was like, I know lots of local business owners. I know what they can afford. I know what their margins are like. And, you know, this, right. this stuff was um, the, the price points that, that Yaxton and others were offering were to him unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's really challenging for a small business when, you know, most of the money comes out of the business owner's pocket and not out of a marketing budget. Right. Stuff. Right. So I'd love to hear more about your transition to Spark Toro. And, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, what's, what's next? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Is this it? Is this, you know, kind of what you're, what you're thinking, you know, it can, can be the next sort of legacy for you? Um, gosh, I, I very much hope so. Like I, you know, Steve, I am building SparkToro in a very different kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. Not not raising venture, um, trying to be a great product and a great business, but not necessarily a big one. Right. I don't um, I don't have passion or interest in having hundreds of employees or um, you know, uh, you and me both. Yeah, growing. <laughs> We've always stayed small, usually under ten if we can do it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that unfortunately in the tech field and in the startup world in general, there's like a, I don't know, frustrating bias and sort of a media culture Stigma. and, yeah. you know, and pressure to, to grow big because that's how you show that you're impressive, right? Like, oh, how adorable you're building your cute little lifestyle business, right? That's always used right. as a pejorative. Sure. And, and then when you reflect on what's actually good for, you know, your health, your financial uh, progress, um, your community, the world around you, uh, macro and microeconomics, mm -hmm. what is good is lots of small businesses uh, in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. What's really terrible for the world and the environment and politics and economics is a few big companies with a ton of power and leverage over an entire field, right? We can Amazon, see that. Amazon, Google, yeah. Yeah, right? The, the FANG companies, right, uh, that sort of epitomize that, but they are not alone. You know, it's right. it, this is very much a power wealth concentration problem that furthers income inequality and furthers, you know, obviously um, concentration of political power and furthers yeah. uh, lots of ugly externalities. You know, capitalism just wasn't designed to work with 
a few monopolies, which is why there historically have been anti-monopoly laws. Yeah. Even, even now, there's a lot of those things happening with, with Google. I mean, we hear about it every day. Well, so. yeah. I mean, nothing's happened yet, but there are discussions about things happening um, right. and, and potentials for things to happen. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, Google has done a very good job of lobbying many of the politicians here in the U.S. and, and being a huge campaign contributor and sure. uh, as a result, maybe uh, immunize themselves from a lot of the, the challenges they might face. But, you know, recognizing all of that and looking at all of that and then saying, I want to build a small, profitable um, business that becomes as big as it should be. Right. Could, I don't I don't I'm obviously not going to stop its growth. I am going to keep investing in SparkToro, becoming a better product for its customers, becoming a you know, being a great place to work for its employees, which is just me and Casey right now. So the focus um, isn't growth, it's just creating an amazing product. Yeah, I mean, I, I think growth stems from that, right? But I am not going to do things like, hey, let's go raise millions or tens of millions of dollars. Let's get obsessed with how do we prevent anyone from leaving the platform, right? Like right. One, of the, one of the big things in software as a service is this obsession Attention. with churn rate. Mm -hmm. I am... I'm, maybe I'm the only person in SaaS who does not give a shit about churn rate. Like, I, right. you want to come use SparkToro, you find it valuable, and then you leave? Great. Wonderful. I hope you had a wonderful experience. I hope you come back someday. I hope you recommend it to people. If you never come back, that's fine. Right? And, uh, and you open it up so you can use it just one time if you, if you needed to for a big project. You don't need to subscribe to do that. You could just jump in, buy sure. some credits, and done. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you can right. You can buy like a week of access, mm -hmm. use it for a bunch. You can you can buy you know uh, one month of access and use it, and then uh, cancel your account. Uh, we we notify you before we bill you, right? Most SaaS businesses don't do that yeah, because just, they know well, that that charge. Yeah, 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 right. They know that notification when it comes through. Like especially if you offer a link, we offer a link like. Let's say you signed up, Steve, right? You would get an email from us three days before you're being billed, being like, hey, I know most SaaS companies don't send this email, but in three days, you're going to be charged. If you want to cancel, you just click right here. You don't have to call anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody. Spend 30 minutes searching the website to find how to cancel and yeah. then get to a page that says to cancel, call customer service, and we're closed right now. F that. <laughs> like, like, come on, yeah. really? That's, that's just crazy. They all, you know, they you all know do what? that. Uh, the weirdest part, I think I was looking the other day, and with the exception of our launch promotion, we actually have a lower average customer churn rate than uh, than Moz did when I was running, running that company. So, you know, there you go. Like, it's now. Have Have you used Have you used the platform to do your own marketing for SparkToe yet? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's core to how I built it. Like one of the biggest things that I am doing differently with SparkToro versus Moz is Moz was um, very much a like build a community, build a content marketing engine, build it all on, on that site. And with SparkToro, I am very much using other people's, leveraging other people's platforms, yeah. right? So uh, as an example, right? Like, oh, Steve, you've got a great, uh, you know, uh, stream, let's, uh, sure, let's do a, a chat together and maybe some people will watch this and maybe they'll go give SparkToro a spin and try and search for their audiences and see if it's useful sure. for their, for them. And that, that's how we get eh, between 50 and 100 people to try the product every day. 
that's amazing. Right? So, yeah, and, and it's, we we love it. We we love the fact that even even with an HVAC business, we can find influencers that you know have um, a relationship to that industry and line them up. And it's it's just it's just a great tool. It's brilliant, really. Yeah, I uh, I have been consistently surprised by how niche you can go. I, like toxicologists in Canada, someone was looking for them related to like pandemic shipping stuff, logistics. And we were like, okay, let's see if there's people who, you know, uh, work in toxicology and logistics. And we were like, oh, look at that. And here's the publications that they read. And here's like this niche podcast and here's this newsletter or whatever they subscribe to. Who knew, right? So yeah, I, I like that, but I, um, we definitely use it for our, our own stuff. Like I go and find whatever people and podcasts that reach, you know, folks in um, different parts of agency world, market research world. That's been actually a really That's challenging for me to tap. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely, we're dog fooding for sure. Well, you, you're doing a great job. And I think the platform's amazing. Um, you know, I got this new thing with uh, StreamYard where there's actually like this little banner. Let me see yeah. if I can get this going. Um, so here, check this out. Boom. Oh, I stole this from your website. So we'll, we'll keep that one running for a couple of minutes as we go into the, the next question. I think this is on everyone's minds right now. The Whiteboard yeah. Friday. Okay. Love it. That was amazing. Are, are you planning on doing something similar sort of routine like, like back in those days? Or have you and I just missed it? Um, I have been thinking about it, definitely. I think that short term. So I talked to Casey about this. I was like, hey, I have an idea for what I want to do and what I want to call it and sort of a format I want to try um, for like a next, I don't know exactly what you call it, not necessarily exclusively whiteboard, but like a, a video uh, series, content series. And we basically were like, right now, the time commitment and the financial commitment of putting it together, editing it well, doing it well, would be a lot of work for us. Yeah, yeah we, we've so, been trying to do some ourselves and it was a very expensive exercise in learning how uh, how expensive doing video could be. Yeah, so. I mean, I think we we basically would need an editor who could give us a couple hours a week, um, if not more, and then do some, um, you know, obviously the creation, which means my time. And, and right now uh, my time very much is, a lot of it is, uh, marketing and customer service, right? And then, you know, product stuff and um, some sort of website content and that kind of thing. But a, yep. a lot of customer service. We, we do this thing, Steve, where I, you probably saw it when you signed up. Like you sign up for SparkToro, you're running some searches, playing around with it. And then you get an email that comes from me that says like, hey, is there anything I can help you with in your account? A lot of people reply to that, right? And it goes right to my personal email. Um, and we also do the same thing for, uh, paid accounts. So everybody who signs up for a paid account, mm -hmm. you know, I get a notification. Um, and this is one of those, like, you know, when they tell founders do things that don't scale early on, this definitely does not scale, but it, you know, it's all right. So I go visit everyone's website who signs up, right. I'll go let, be like, Oh, okay. Steve Weinerman from this agency. Let me go check their, check out their site, see what they do, see some of their client stories. I'll write you an email sort of welcoming you and then, you know, offer to help out. And those are very personalized. It's, it's um, a lot of hustle. It's, it's a lot of, you know, not trying to automate and, and just, yeah. just building relationships is what it feels like. 
yeah, we're, we're trying to be as like, I am especially passionate about this for our first few hundred customers because I want to make sure that I have a deep, intimate knowledge of who is buying SparkToro and what they're using it for and why and how and what's going well for them and what they're struggling with. I think that's um, one of those things that it's, it's almost like a reflex from my l later years at Moz where I felt like that got away from me. Like I right. wasn't paying close enough attention to who our customers were and what they needed and wanted and what they were doing. I can, um, I can tell you as a SaaS user, one of the things that, that I appreciate the most are our case studies showing kind of from beginning to end. So yeah. even, even if it was just sort of like the Google store did, like we have the Google store and you can use this as, you know, an analytics test to kind of play around and see what, what we did and how it worked and what we ranked for. And, um, you know, if you did something like that, where it's kind of a walkthrough, we have, you know, XYZ company and yeah. here's you know, what industry they're in and here's the search they did and that kind of stuff in, in the beginning would have been a little bit more helpful for me to, to jump in and play a little bit more. Yeah. Um, eventually I finally got in and just, you know, got my, my hands dirty with it. But in the beginning that might've expedited a little bit of, of our experience as, as a new customer is yeah, sort of so going we have seven case studies, I think that are being written up right now. Nice. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of interviewed folks like yourself about like, how did, how are they using the product? put those into like a, uh, we did a little Google survey and then translated those into documents. And then um, we're working with a, a technical writer, who, a contractor who's sort of turning those into documents. And then Casey is working with a designer to build a new case studies section for the site. So yeah, that'll be hopefully live in the next three or four so weeks. I read, I read your mind. That's awesome. Yep. yep. Um, well, and we knew, like we knew we had to do that. And it's just one of those, like, you know, what do you prioritize and when, and how fast can you get things done? And yep. Well, I got some questions that, uh, that some folks have sent us. One of them was like, here's, here's a scenario. A newbie comes into the SEO world. What would be your best advice on what to focus on? Right. Um, yeah. as, as a new SEO, um, I know I have my answer to that, but I'd love to hear what, what you would say to somebody who's new in the SEO world and uh, has been watching your videos now and um, would love to yeah, hear Yeah, so first off, let's see, I want to give this advice from a thoughtful place and a fully transparent place. So I have not been in SEO for two and a half, almost three years now. Um, so my advice may be out of date and you should you should take that appropriately. Like I... Um, I am very focused on SparkToro these days. And so while, you know, I always have a historic passion for SEO, uh, that is not my, my area of deep expertise, at least not in the tactical day-to-day -day anymore. That sure. said, it, when I gave this advice um, years ago, I, I would still give the same advice today, which is I would specialize. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean specialize like, oh, I'm the, um, I help with uh, uh, local SEO. Like not niche enough. I, I would okay. go down even further and Dentistry say, or I would go, lawyers. yeah, I would go by vertical, uh, by, by industry and by tactic focus, right? So okay. like if you want to do uh, local keyword SEO, there's no one better than me. If you want to do link building in finance, no one is better at that than me. If you are want to do, um, uh, research papers and get those ranking uh, and and derive value from uh, what we call it lead capture pages in B two B. I'm your guy, right? Or, or, or your woman, like that. 
uh, is I think that where I would recommend going. And the reason is because the field is very saturated, but those individual niches are still where you can build up a lot of knowledge. And if you get known for one of those, people will refer you a ton of business. Right. And, and to do that, to get into to that level uh, of depth, you have to build and understand information architecture for that industry. And to do that, whenever we get a new client, you know, it takes us three to six months to really do the IA to really feel out what, what that sitemap needs to look like in five years from now. It's a lot of work. And so by doing just one, you don't have to keep going through that exercise of, of you know, extensive keyword research. You've already kind of locked down what, what practice areas or, you know, product areas, you know, those, those particular clients need to work in. That's actually really yeah. smart. All right, controversial topic. Um, What's your take on the impact of CTR? I know there's folks like Michael Martinez and others that are in in disbelief of of its impacts. You know, you and and Larry Kim, and I want to say myself too, we've done some testing ourselves, uh, believe that it's a a healthy ranking signal. I know you said it's been a couple of years, but back, you know, before you you started at SparkToro, what's your your take on CTR? Uh, Let's see, so... Right. It's, it's like almost, that, uh... <laughs> almost definitely too simple by itself. Uh-huh. I, like controversial, Steve, I thought we were going to talk about like Black Lives Matter or the election <laughs> or like I want some real controversy or Mitch McConnell being like, I'm rich. I don't care about your stupid diabetes. <laughs> like that, you know, uh, let's hope that guy gets what's coming to him. Uh, yeah. So let's see, but but on, yeah, if CTR is controversial. I don't even want to think about what those topics are considered. No, no. Um, so historically, uh, I did a bunch of experiments and would get on stages at events and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Like I'd get on stages at events and be like, Google swears that they don't use uh, queries and clicks as ranking signals, right? That That like nothing that we all do on our phones or whatever are gonna change the ranks of anything. So everybody pull out your phone, don't connect to the Wi-Fi. like make sure that you're on your you know, individual thing. And I want you to go to Google and search for um, wedding dresses Atlanta or wherever I was presenting or something, you know, local or non-local, or I'd be like, um, what was one of the ones I did? Uh, HVAC installer, right? And then see this result that's number seven, it's whoever it was, right? I'd be live on stage, I'd be like, Go ahead and, and click on that result. And then close right? your browser. And then and then I want you to visit that site, scroll to the bottom. All right, now put away your phone. And then at the end of the presentation, I'd be like, hey, who's, ra- who's ranking number one for that thing? Every time. And like, no, not every time. It was definitely not every time. If there were not enough people in the room, sometimes it wouldn't work. You know, it was inconsistent, I would say maybe 50, 60% of the time that I did one of these at a presentation, you know, it would, it would pop into the top rankings. It would rise in the rankings relatively rapidly. Yeah. I remember doing, doing something similar when I was trying to rank for SEO expert, when I'd have sure. these little events and meetup groups and, hey, where do I rank right now? Oh, you're number four. Uh, well, what do you think of the page? Right? And then, you know, a week later, wow, look, I moved up, you know? Oh, so, yeah, but- so weird. Yeah, I always, I always remind people it's not just about the click. It's we've got to get them to, to want to stay. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, user absolutely. behavior signals aren't just clicking. It's proving to the search engine that you were a helpful result. I mean, so. you know, like you, the, the team from Microsoft is like, what? of course we use pogo sticking as a ranking signal. Like what the hell else would you use? 
you know, that's that's like one of the most important things is whether somebody bounces back to the search result or whether they stay and solve their problem on the website. And of course, Google is like, we don't use clicks. Well, they, they don't want people doing like query spam and, you know, like some of the experiments we did back in 2010, I think you helped with too, was understanding what the impact of the, you know, autocomplete, right? How do we, how do we influence what shows up in autocomplete? Well, well, and there, you know, Danny Sullivan published that recent blog post that was like very specific, like, yes, we use user and usage data signals. So like when lots of people in your area or who've traveled from here to there, like you ever get that thing where you, you know, back when we could travel, right? You'd fly to a city, you'd get into a hotel and you'd search for whatever restaurants near and it would auto complete to like your hotel or the neighborhood you're in. And you'd be like, whoa, how do they know? Oh, because thousands of other travelers like me who've landed and taken this route going to those searched pages. for exactly this thing, right? And um, yeah, so look, these behavioral pattern things, you can see it right in the, the congressional testimony that um, uh, Sundar Pichai gave uh, to the U.S. House of Representatives, what was that, in uh, December of last year? And then there was sort of the follow-up this year and, and there was a document dump, right? So, so the House of Representatives like requested all these documents, internal documents from Google. And there okay. was an email in there from the leadership team, right? To Larry and Sergey. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's in there is we should double down on user signals like searches and clicks so that we can build up like our, um, you know, so that no one will be able to compete with us in the future because our ranking algorithm will be so strong based on the user and usage data. And then you deny it, you know, to the SEO community. I'm like, yeah, I kind of believe the internal email that you gave to Congress. You know, right. that's like, I think that's the true story. And they, they must know it because uh, even Amazon Mechanical Turk, you know, now blocks you if you try to do any sort of search sure. manipulation using it. So it's yeah. it's like, it's too obvious. So, well, and so for anybody who's like, oh, it's ripe for abuse. What's ripe for abuse is AdWords click fraud or, or yeah. Google ads click fraud. That's expensive abuse. Yeah. And that abuse is a problem that Google has been working on for decades. And that, in my opinion, they've done such a good job solving and being able to figure out what is authentic and not authentic, that it seems very clear that they know what is real human behavior and not. And right. what if they can do that on the ad side, obviously, they can do it on the organic side and apply the same, you know, data thoughtfulness uh, and, and signal interpretation to their query and click algorithm, right? To their pogo sticking, uh, analysis. So, you know, I, do, I, I don't, do I don't that. believe like when, when some of these, like whatever Google webmaster representatives, I'm like, man, I don't even know if you talk to the engineering team. Like I, I'm not sure how much you know about this. You are a PR rep. I believe you about as much as, you know, somebody who's running for Congress, like it just, I don't be, I don't buy it. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I do get a lot of flack whenever I talk about our experiments in CTR, but I, I can tell you every single time, as long as the page was helpful, you know, it, it seemed to work. I don't um, understand. What is the SEO community's like, not SEO community. I get that it's a few misanthropes who are whatever, they they think that by ginning up this controversy, they can like have a fun time. Or I think there's a lot of like, I should support what the Google representative says because then that helps to create a relationship between myself and the Googler. And that makes me look better. And like, maybe I can email them and maybe they'll do favors for me or whatever it is. So it's, it's kind of a political thing. I get that too. Yeah, but I don't, 
I don't totally understand the like infighting element. It doesn't seem productive to me. And who who out there is like, don't try to make your page get more clicks in Google? <laughs> well, what kind of advice is that? Why would you listen to someone who tells you that? Yeah, it's it's so strange. But uh, but at least, you know, at least there's more tests we can run. There's more emphasis on trying to provide richer results so that you do get more of the clicks, whether it is or is not, even though we kind of know it is, whether it is or is not, um, by having richer results, we still get more of the clicks because we stand out. And so I've been really encouraging our clients to experiment yeah. with with new markup and to, you know, to try to provide uh, events and, and things that really make our listings stand out. Uh, one of our restaurant chains, we, we did, uh, an event where we put the markup on 1700 of their local pages and mm -hmm. every location would appear with that extra row that said, check out our new special that's happening right now. And it had a link directly to it. So it was, and, and it was really interesting to watch, you know, how, um, how users interact, you know, with really rich content, both, you know, in the search result. And then of course, you know, on the page itself. I, I um, wonder what the, what's the counter argument, right? Like if you talk to some of these people who are against it, what do they say? Like, Stop trying to get the clicks to go to your website. That's yeah, a big, that's a bad idea because just trying to disprove the exercises, the the you know the um, the test and the experiment. That's that's their whole thing. Is well, that experiment doesn't really account for, and that experiment's invalid because of, you know. That's I think that's their angle. I don't know. Sure. I, I yeah. I I just don't understand the goal. Like, do they want their clients to get fewer clicks in the search results? Maybe they don't have clients. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, you're onto something there. Um, cool. I got a couple more. I know we're getting close to the end here. Thanks for hanging out with me too. It's oh yeah, been of so course, much man. fun. It's about time we finally get to hang out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, right, sure. entrepreneur posts about the recently about the death of SEO as ads consume the results above the fold. And we saw this happen with Ask.com before they fired Jeeves. Right? Do we? Do what's what's your feeling on this? Have you been keeping up enough to know? You know, kind of all these these new changes that have happened in the search results where pretty sure. much everything about the fold is ads now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. I, for, for, for the last several years, right, I've been tracking and reporting on um, kind of the, the decline in percentage of clicks that happen on Google and the increase in the percentage of clicks that go back to an alphabet-owned property, right? Google mm -hmm. itself, YouTube, um, there are other properties, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, the reality is that that this is a true phenomenon, right? Less than half of all clicks now result in a, in a sorry, less than half of all searches now result in a click um, and significantly less than half result in a click to a non-Alphabet property because Alphabet, Google itself is the primary beneficiary uh, or the biggest beneficiary of Google searches. That's where most, that, that's where the most searches go. I think something like 6% of all um, searches end on another Google property, Maps or YouTube or what have you. So yes, that's a real thing. Uh, the ad click-through rate has grown, not nearly as significantly as as I think a lot of people think it has. It's It has grown, but by like a couple percent. Um, it's really the rich results and the zero-click searches that have resulted in this. So I, I haven't seen a lot that of that mean, on commercial sorry. search terms, though. Commercial search terms still seem to render a lot more organic and yeah of course some ads but on the zero click it seems to be more of the informational upper funnel which which yeah. can affect your you know remarketing efforts significantly but um fortunately i haven't seen a lot of of those types of uh results for like i don't know car accident lawyer near me or i'd see it for 
something like what to do after a car accident where they they throw in a checklist or something but fortunately i haven't seen it much on commercial terms but yeah i, I feel the same thing i'm looking at at all the data and i do see you know a, a lot fewer clicks happening than than previously uh, remember last year one of our clients had a statistics page and it it just drove a ton of traffic and then as soon as they got that you know featured snippet you know that that number went down yeah, yeah. no and that's that's very frustrating right i I have a lot of empathy for folks who are going through that. I think that um, certainly that does mean that you have to do more in other, you know, niche sources. And you know, this is part of the the conceit of SparkToro. Like the reason that we we entered this field was to help people find ways to get top and middle of funnel sort of influence, right? To um, to reach an audience that wasn't exclusively through Google and Facebook. Um, and I would say that it is also the case that the death of SEO, that is, I don't want to say it's a dumb takeaway, but it is the wrong takeaway, right? It's more, it's still, it's still a little bit of, of clickbait more than anything. Yeah, than absolutely. Right. So, so SEO is not exclusively about driving traffic from the search results to a given property. Or that just web search. It's not just web search. It's right. Images. That is, that is product. Yeah, that is one goal, right? One goal is like, you know, I want to rank so that I get the clicks, so that I get the visit, so that I can do my marketing. But another goal is to uh, influence the information that Google provides. Mm -hmm. And there are more searches taking place on Google than ever before from more places, from more people. Uh, and the pandemic has only accelerated that. And so, I, SEO is so far from dead, right? The furthest from dead that it's ever been. It, it is bigger, more powerful, more influential than ever. You just have to think about, you know, especially top of funnel, you've got to think about how do I impact those zero click searches? How do I right. impact people's, uh, the information that, it, that they're getting inside of Google's SERP as opposed to exclusively driving the click to my website? Of course. Yeah. And we've, we've seen studies in the past that show that if you're doing both paid and organic, that there's a higher likelihood of getting the click in one or the other, if you've got more visibility or more real estate in the search results. And we've been teaching some of the, the students, uh, particularly in my SEO analytics class at San Diego is, mm -hmm. it's really around marrying that data. I mean, Google's given you so much data to work with in search terms in placement reports for link building well, they and used to they yeah. took a bunch of it away and so yeah i know i know it's not it's not they take that much away though it's it's still 25 percent. yeah that's well, those are lot, really man. really i mean you're talking about like rank brain keywords though those are like really really long phrase search terms in some of them right that don't get a lot of volume i mean but yeah still, i saw the seer data gone. right it was like 25 oh yeah, yeah i saw that gone, of, of search terms gone in ppc and a resulting yeah, well, 13 14 increase in price I haven't seen an increase in price yet, but I definitely, I definitely don't see as much data, which you know is a little discouraging. But you know what? If we're ranking organically for those search terms, you know we still get a lot of of helpful in, info in in Search Console, but uh, you know we just roll with the punches. But yeah, I, I can see, I can see what Google's agenda is. We we obviously need to make more money. We need to <clears throat> fix a little bit of the loss that we had during the the pandemic. You know, and um. I'm sure that all kind of played a played a part in it. By the way, I heard I heard on my little list here that um, that you're opening up in Brazil, or or hopefully open up in Brazil at some point. Uh, our our team members are like, what's going on? Um, Brazil? No. So let's see. 
SparkToro, I assume you mean SparkToro. Um, yeah. SparkToro is uh, currently mostly English language centric. Okay. However, yeah, I, um, I sent a tweet earlier today about how you can get data around mostly English language profiles that are in other locations. Okay. So Portugal, for example, was one of the ones that I sent. Um, uh. But um, the reality is that probably it'll be 2021 where we'll be expanding, uh, experimenting and expanding to a lot more German and Spanish language profiles first. And then, um, you know, depending on how that goes, hopefully, yeah, French, Italian, Portuguese, um, and, and more geographic yeah, our, coverage for us comes mostly from language coverage. Gotcha. Yeah. Our, our office down there in, in Brazil has been just, uh, you know, really growing fast. There's a, there's a huge market now. And I think a lot of it's pandemic too, you know, so it's, uh, and, and to be able to have that capability to, to figure out who it is we need to connect to that could build relationships that may culminate into links down the road is a big thing. Well, Hey, we're, we're, we're almost at the end, but I'm, what I've been thinking about doing is this little lightning round of questions. If you're yeah, up for it, it, just, just super, super fast. And then we'll wrap it up. Um, so first one is favorite, Three SEO tools aside from the obvious. <laughs> Man, I don't do SEO anymore. Okay, uh, at all. <laughs> all right, you're. How about I will go very broad. Um, my the three tools that I use—they're not necessarily SEO, but three tools that I use a lot. Uh, Wistia, which is I use the um, soapbox for making little videos. I love it. I think it is uh, terrific. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, uh, ProfitWell, which is how we track all of our SaaS data and customers and revenue and those kinds of things. A phenomenal tool there. Um, I'm also a huge fan of, uh, speaking of David Mim, uh, Tidings. Yeah. If you are not familiar with Tidings, that is a phenomenal product, uh, especially for small local businesses to affordably build email newsletters from content they're already almost certainly creating. Um, right. I think it's, it's also the name of his newsletter. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Tidings.co. Uh, I would urge anybody who's in local to check that out. All right. Somebody new in search. Um, who should we be following on social media? Oh man. Search. I, I don't know. Ask people in SEO. <laughs> uh, let's see. So no, I, um, I could tell you a few folks that I am very impressed by um, who you might not already be following. No, actually, I'm looking at who I'm following. And oh, Andy Jarvis is great. XMO Marketing does a great podcast on SEO. Um, super, to uh, super relevant topics there. Uh, I am also, oh, uh, Mary Owusu, uh, she's at Analytics Mary on Twitter, um, okay. speaking of teachers, right? She uh, uh, does some work for a university, I think up in Buffalo, and a bunch of digital marketing and analytics-specific stuff, um, sure. so she's also great. Nice. All right. Well, what SEO myth do you see still that drives you crazy? Um, gosh or was prior to? Uh... I really, I, I still uh, find a ton of people quoting Google's representatives as, as though the information that they give you is valuable, accurate, um, and driven by good intent. And right. historically and currently, I have 
rarely found that to be true. So I, I am confused and curious as to why that still um, is true. Like I wish Google were giving us real information, but I think they have demonstrated to the community that that, that is not the case. So I, biggest SEO myth is Google's representatives are giving you accurate, consistently accurate information. Interesting. All right. Fastest way to rank a new page in organic search results. Fastest? Uh-huh. Let's Get say for a, a non-super competitive keyword. I remember some yep. of the experiments that you did. Yeah, where yeah, you, yeah. You uh, this still bio. works. I see it all the time. Get a buttload of people to tweet it. Okay. Really? Interesting. Still works. Huh. Okay. Which is um, no surprise, right? Because Google re, uh, um, recreated their relationship with Twitter. So now you see tweets inside of Google. They've got the fire hose. They have the API. Like They're obviously the right in there. And, and so Google will say, tweet. we don't count tweets and tweeted links, blah, 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 blah. I don't care if you count them or don't count them. I don't care what you tell me or don't tell me. All I care about is what works. I can tell you when I see a URL from a brand new website, brand new thing, and tons of people are sharing it. What do you know? Wow. It, it you know, you know, Twitter's, Twitter's uh, stocks are going to go up now because you said that. So <laughs> <laughs> people are going to start moving off LinkedIn and going to Twitter. Um, well, awesome. Let's see. So Google Maps, same thing. How do you rank in Google Maps quickly? What's your what's your fastest way to move up a listing for, I don't know, let's say lawyer, personal injury lawyer? Yeah. Um, let's see. You probably want to hold a political rally that invites a bunch of controversy with protesters and counter protesters, because then you will get covered by lots of news sources and tons of people will go to you. And those two signals combined are basically coverage plus links, um, plus uh, 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 topical relevance, plus um, the maps, right? Like the, all these phones going to your location that will drive up your rankings in local very quickly. I see. We we always tell our clients events, do local events, do local events. But man, you took it to the yeah. extreme on that one. That's awesome. You well, you um, want local events that are in coverage, right? So yeah. you should. By the way, don't take that advice. Dear God, so many people, hundreds of thousands of people are dying from COVID. Wear goddamn masks. Do not yeah. have in-person events. What well, the Sturgis motorcycle rally was responsible for? What like uh, two hundred thousand cases of COVID just by itself? Don't yeah. don't do that. Yep. Stay safe. Um, all right. Next one. Let's see. Most important landing page SEO focal point. Landing page focal point. In my opinion, the most important uh, aspect of a landing page is that it serves your customers and potential customers well, right? Uh, basically delivers their needs to them, solves their problem. Uh, if it's a search query, that's their problem. It solves that search query uh, in the best possible way, better than anybody else in the search results. If the uh, goal is to help them solve a problem around getting access to a product, it does that as rapidly as possible. Um, you know, we've done a bunch of optimization around this with SparkToro, trying to figure out like, when do we ask people to register? And it's for us, it's between the search query and the search results that has tended to work best. But I think it's probably different for every different um, business and landing page. I would just think about serve your users before you serve yourself. Um, I just did the uh, the top 10 or, or 10 tips for 10 days. And that was actually one of my tips as well. So same page here. Uh, best link building technique and, and without doing any sort of rallies or sure. vertical 
Uh, <laughs> I personally, I'll tell you the one that works the very best for me, uh, podcasts. Every time okay. you are on someone's podcast, five to 10 websites will link to you because podcasts like they, they um, sync their content to whatever it is, Stitcher and Libsyn and Apple and blah, 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 blah. So all these places have either a direct link or a citation. Some of them are followed. Some of them are no followed. Usually the person's actual website uh, is followed and then they get shared on social and those link to you. I, yeah. I freaking love guesting on podcasts. Like it is... Uh, <laughs> It's great. For... See, I thought you just wanted to hang out with me, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Steve, I'm I'm here for the link. No, I, I don't think StreamYard even gives a link. No, no, no. But like, I, I, I'm just saying, when you are on uh, other people's podcasts, you get all this attention back to you and amplification. And those signals are very, very helpful for... Right, not just the link, but yeah, like, yeah. like some of the experiments you've done, you've done before with... Uh, you know, co-occurrence and, and so forth. So yeah, but, I get it. I mean, obviously Google is using that, right? That That's yeah. how they determine what an entity is and how they build associations between words and phrases and concepts and websites and people and all that stuff. Yep. I remember when I was doing that SEO expert exercise, I would have people search for my name and then SEO expert in quotes and show them the volume of, um, of occurrences. So it was kind yep. of fun. Uh, we're at the end. We're over a little bit. Um, Let's see, EAT signals are more important on the website or off the website? They only matter to me in the kitchen. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I can agree with that. So my wife makes some killer tacos, so I'm, I'm with you on that one. I've been, I've been experimenting with tacos al pastor. Very Ooh. challenging to make, but delicious. Okay. Oh, man, you're making me hungry. Um, so anything on eat at all or no? I, yeah, that's, that's all I got. Pass. Okay, cool. Uh, and last one, does offline marketing... Uh, help with keyword rankings? Um, a, who cares? And B, yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, Rand, you've been absolutely amazing to hang out with. And we totally have to do this again, even if it's not recorded for other people to, to share with us. Is there anything um, you'd like to tell those folks who are watching or watching down the road uh, about SparkToro or, or any sort oh, of uh, Sure. Words? Yeah. So one of the nice things about SparkToro, you can try it for free. Anybody can go run a bunch of searches, uh, 10 searches a month. We have a forever free plan. So you just go to the website, sparktoro.com, and you can play with it, find your audience, see what they pay attention to. If you're in SEO, you're probably doing link building with it. If you're in content, you're probably doing amplification with it, but um, yeah. all that stuff is there. And even if even if you're doing influencer marketing, it's still it still can culminate into links down the road. So yeah, yeah. It depends what you mean by influencer marketing, right? So like the, yeah. <laughs> if it's the uh, pay half naked people $500 on Instagram to pose with your product, sort of influencer marketing, we're not so good at that, not but we're great at that. Influencer marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, we're good at the, uh, at the more sort of broad, big picture uh, yeah. sources of influence marketing. How about that? I, I took, I took my free credits. I, I loved it. And eventually, you know, we, we used them enough, played with them enough that I just said, I, I got to get an account. So um, it's been amazing. It. And I definitely uh, for anyone watching, if you haven't checked out Spark Toro yet, give it a try. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's free good to try. There. A, it won't cost you anything. Cool. All right. We'll wrap it up. This is uh, Steve Wiedemann and Rand Fishkin. Thank you so much, Rand. And I'll hit uh, end broadcast. Yeah, Bye everyone. Love it.